What's up, baseball fans, and welcome to another edition of the Hoosier BP Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Wade. Joining me again is our scouting director, Blake Kibler. I also have a special guest today that we're going to bring on, our uh, Recruiting Essentials guru, PBR North Carolina scouting director, Brandon Hall. Uh, Today's topic is going to go over the uh, new NCAA legislation that was passed last week. the Division One Council approved some new recruiting legislation that's supposed to go into effect next year, uh, basically trying to regulate uh, the recruiting process that sped up, you know, considerably over the uh, last few years. So, going to talk about that. Bring on Brandon, get his thoughts and his opinions. So, why don't we just go ahead and jump right into uh, talking with Brandon? Thanks, Phil. Yeah, I'm joined by uh, Recruiting Essentials Extraordinaire. Uh, Prep Baseball Report, North Carolina, Brandon Hall. Uh, Brandon, if you could, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and we'll get going. Yeah, no, exciting to be on here with you guys, and a lot of buzz in the industry on on what you guys have done with this podcast, and hopefully I I can just add to it a little bit and not take away from the the extraordinary job you guys are doing, but I was a... uh, I coached in North Carolina at Division One level at two different schools for uh, approximately 20 years, um, and was a recruiting coordinator for about 15. Um, you know, I had the chance to start here in North Carolina with uh, Prep Baseball Report uh, a little over 18 months ago, and so we're we're off and rolling here, but still in the infancy stages. And um, you know, the recruiting stuff that that we're doing is is something that is kind of a reboot uh, with recruiting essentials and. Um, yeah, a former recruiting coordinator been doing it for a long time and done a really good job. And, um, they brought me in and asked me if I wanted to kind of pick up where it was left off and, you know, we've been able to roll with it from there. And it's, it's helped that the NCAA has kind of continued to make changes, make adjustments. And you've had the basketball scandals going on. You've had football stuff going on. So there's constantly things to talk about in the world of recruiting, even if it's not inside baseball, things that are affecting what, what's happening with baseball as well. And for our fans that don't know, I, I'll cover kind of where you can find recruiting essentials. But on our website, we do Brandon writes a feature uh, under the tabs more for recruiting essentials. We cover everything from NCAA rules to questions that should be asked on your visit. To, uh, you know, what kind of scholarship money should you expect if you do commit based on position? So it's an awesome feature. Uh, I strongly suggest everybody download and, and get connected in that and read those uh, because there's a lot of information that just helps parents understand the recruiting game. Yeah, it's one of those things, the way we've gone about it is it, it can be very technical. It can be very bullet pointy. At times we've tried to make it a little bit more personal with stories of uh, things that I experienced as a recruiting coordinator. And I think one of the things families and people will find is the ability to relate to what's happening because uh, as doing it for 15 years and, and you guys, you and Phil both are around it um, and you see things happening on a daily basis. Well, from a family standpoint, you go through it once, maybe twice. And, you know, by the time you're done with it, that's the first point you feel like you have a grasp of really what's happening. And so you're getting some insight from the other side of the field and, and kind of what college coaches are thinking and what we're going about, what our role is, because I think sometimes lost in this is yes, it's a big decision for the players, but it's how college coaches are paying their mortgages. And so it's a very big deal on that side of the desk as well. And that's why sometimes it feels very businesslike is because it is. 
And we tell our parents all the time, like, you got to understand, these guys are way more prepared to do this than you'll ever be. Right. Uh, so the more information you can arm yourself with, the better chance you have to get a good deal for your son and to figure out the best fit. Because ultimately, it's about making sure the athlete is in the right situation for him. Right. Right. Well, we brought you on because the NCAA dropped a, what seemed to be a bomb on baseball and and the more we <laughs> the more we analyze it the more we figure out what what is going on so wanted to talk to you about this new rule our understanding of the rule is essentially guys can no longer take unofficial visits before September 1 of their junior year and have contact with the athletic department and they can no longer get free tickets to go watch games um anything Go ahead and summarize that and tell us how this rule is going to affect baseball in the recruiting world. Well, it's, our, it's already started. Um, you know, just talking to some contacts this week when I've been out watching games. Uh, and I was actually on a college campus this past weekend watching uh, some college prospects. Uh, guys are freaked out from a college standpoint as they're trying to figure out. Um, but one of, the, one of the things that's happening is you've got a lot of college, colleges trying to fit in visits because the first aspect of the new rule is the juniors and sophomores and freshmen are only going to be able to take visits unofficial or official starting September 1. So if you're a 2020 or you're a 2021, if you take a visit this week, you're fine. If the rule passes as soon as it meets with the, the NCAA's board of directors uh, next week, then those are done and, until September 1 of your junior year. So you have schools immediately trying to fit all that stuff in. Um, you know, the, the part I did like, uh, moving the official visit date back, it used to be as you started your senior year, now it's September 1 of your junior year, you can start going on official visits. The way that's going to change things is my last 10 years at University of North Carolina, Charlotte, I don't know that we brought a high school player in on an official visit unless he was committed to us because things were moving a little bit faster. And, um, you know, we had most of our, our guys committed before they started their high school season. So, now, as, as juniors, we're going to be able to bring them in. They're going to be able to pay for their visits. We're going to be able to put them up in a hotel, uh, allow them to be around the program for a couple of days and, and make sure we're taking care of that bill so the families aren't having to pay for it. With the other limitations and contact and then allowing that, the hope is more juniors will wait until they've started that junior year of class to start really looking to see where they're going to go to school um, and taking those visits. You know, the biggest piece in all of this really is a lack of communication. Um, you know, right now, as you start your junior year, if you're a freshman or sophomore, you can figure out ways to talk directly to college coaches. So college coach can call a summer league coach and say, hey, have Johnny call me at 2.36 on Friday afternoon. Johnny picks up the phone, calls a coach, boom, the coach is ready, they talk. Well, that, that communication is now done the way the rule is written. Um, and they can make adjustments to it before it actually passes. But that's going to be done. Um, they're not going to be allowed to have any contact or communication with the coaches, no relationship building until they get into their junior year. Um, and, and, and what college coaches are going to be doing, what they're already doing, is trying to figure out how to, how to get around these rules so that they, they can get their, uh, a step ahead. How do you break it? I mean, what's if you're the college coach? What you know, you used to live in this and used to try and figure out ways to bend rules. What's the first thing that jumps out? What's the first <laughs> so, loophole? So here, here's what's going to happen. You're going to have college coaches become 
very active with summer league coaches. And I, I hope, I really do hope with high school coaches. The high school coach is left out of the pattern a little bit. They're around these guys a lot. I, I hope that some of this gets the high school coach back in. But you're asking a lot because those guys are teaching. They've got families. They've got a lot of kids on their team. They've got field work. They've got all these things going on. Where a lot of the summer league coaches, some of, them, some of these guys, that's what they do full time. You know, they're making enough money off of the player entry stuff that, that they just they coach and that's all they do. So what you're going to have happen is you're going to have the players hanging out with the coach. And the college coach is going to call the summer league coach. He's going to say, hey, I can't talk to Johnny, but if you could, just put me on, on speaker. And so the, the high school coach or the summer league coach and the college coach are talking through speakerphone with the prospect sitting next to him. Prospect can't talk back. The coach can't talk directly to the prospect. But um, And when it shows up on the phone record, it's going to show up as I called the high school coach. I didn't call the kid. So that, that's going to be one way to get around it. And there, the biggest thing is going to be when a player does commit as a freshman or sophomore and the word gets out that they committed, there are going to be people asking how. How did that happen? How did you communicate an offer? Even if it was just a walk-on. How did you communicate it? How did you get that to them? Because you're not supposed to have contact with them. And then you're going to see how how aggressive coaches are to kind of police themselves with this new rule. Does What does September 1st look like then? Say everybody follows the rules and we get to September 1. What's this doing to that, that top-end athlete now on September 1? I mean, what's his... Yeah, so it, it's actually going to start a little bit before that because... Uh, what schools are going to try to do is they're going to try to line up their visits. And, and the, the the one to look at is kind of football, where you've got these guys taking visits, and they say, okay, here's my top five, and these are the places. I mean, you're going to see baseball players starting to eliminate schools before September 1 and get down to their top five and then take their visits. Schools are going to want to be first. And, and if they can get the kid on, on a visit first, then they're going to want an answer before he takes the next visits. It puts a little bit more power in the player and the family's hands, though, because if they've already got a plane flight across the country set up, they're going to say, well, we, you know, we told you we're going to take our five visits. And now you're going to see if schools can hold off and wait, or if they're just going to offer the first 20 kids they can offer, and they're going to take the top 10 players that commit. How, I mean, baseball is not a money sport. How, do, how is baseball going to afford the because it used to be that you were only bringing the kids that were already committed onto campus. Right. How are they going to? I mean, does that affect recruiting in any way, shape, or form, or how it they recruit? Yeah, it's a great question. They it won't affect the top end. the The SEC, the ACC, the Big Twelve, the Pac Ten. There's the Big Ten. There's there's not a there's not a need. I mean, you're only allowed to bring in 25 official visits in one year anyway. That rule may be adjusted as, as we get into this, but 25 official visits on a year. And, and really, it's a regional sport. Uh, even national teams recruit heavily in their region. So, you know, some of that, some of those costs will be offset um, just because the kid will be a little bit more local. Um, now, when you start looking at uh, mid-major, uh, lower mid-major, low D, low D1 in terms of budget, not in terms of, you know, who do we like, who do we not like, but uh, in terms of budget, yeah, it's going to have an effect. But, you know, those schools aren't getting guys committed September 1 of junior year anyway. So I, I think there'll be a little bit of a waiting period, a little bit of a trickle-down period. We're on the same guys. They're not visiting us. We move to the next guy. And as they move down, you know, they're going to end up recruiting against schools with like or similar budgets for the most part. And then, you know, so it's, it creates a fair playing field in, in that mindset of, 
you know, the haves and the have nots. And now like visits, when kids go on official visits because of the way it's set up right now, they're already committed. So it's very family driven. Right. Uh, this is going to go back to a player driven, I would imagine visit. Yeah. So most schools have this visit already set because junior college guys is, are in the same process in terms of junior college guys come in, take visits, take the official visit, and then weigh their options, make their decisions. So schools have this visit already set up. They have the outline of the visit. They know what they want to do with it, um, and, and they'll just adapt it to the high school player. Where it's going to hurt, and one of the things that, and this is a personal experience, one of the things we did at Charlotte that I thought really helped us was our freshmen came in, our incoming freshmen came in, usually in the spring or late fall for a football game, and then around our baseball practices, but they got 48 hours with their future teammates. We left that weekend, and they knew what their class schedule was going to be. They knew who their roommate was going to be. They knew what their dorm room was going to be. They knew what their eating plan was going to be. So all these boxes that freshmen across the country, whether they're athletes or not, are trying to check right now going, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do next year? We checked those for them in that meeting with other people that they knew were going through the same thing. And so when they showed up for the second summer session and we put them in a class, we put them in the weight room, we gave them you know, the access to the field so they could get their workouts in, they knew where they were living, they hit the ground running. And so our freshmen, when we started doing that, the learning curve sped up. And when the learning curve speeds up with just campus life and academic life, then it sped up significantly on the baseball field because they were much more comfortable. I think when you're doing these visits now and you're talking about, and right now, players are only allowed to do one official visit to a school. So it's not like they can do one as a junior, one as a senior. But you, you come in, you take that official visit of the junior year, we're not talking about all that stuff. We're talking about why you should be here. We're not talking about how we're going to make your life easy and what, what to expect when you get here. You know, we're, we're selling the school, we're selling our development, we're selling our academics, whatever. So that aspect of that comfort when they show up in the summer session and they show up for the fall, that may be lost. And we may see more freshmen struggle that first semester just as they're trying to get it together. Because, y- you know, I mean, you go, to, you go to college, those first two weeks, a lot of kids go a lot of different ways. There's a lot. There's a lot of pitfalls. You're meeting a lot of new women. You're you're you got a lot of new places you can go and hang out. And you know you got the other person that's decided, hey, academics, and they just they dive into the studying and then have no life. There's a balance that has to happen, especially for athletes who who are individuals that that you know seek competition and teammates and friendship and things like that. All those things need to be in place for the for the baseball development to go. Well, Brandon, you talked about me meeting new women. I didn't like women in college, apparently, so <laughs> I just stayed away from that whole category of life. Um, but I got two more questions. <laughs> One, yeah. will we ever get to a point where baseball is like football and I got to watch kids on, not ESPN, I know baseball won't get to that level, but will I be watching kids on Twitter with hats and will you know PBR start covering <laughs> you know, commitments? Oh. <laughs> You know, it's gotten closer and closer because you, you've got guys now committing out or, or not or tweeting out, hey, blessed to receive my yes. 25th offer. And you're going, it's, it's, it is different. And the deal that the reason players do that in football is because it's a power move to alert other schools. I was, I was offered by an SEC school. All the other SEC schools are going to go, oh, okay, bring, bring me tape. What do we miss here? And try to figure it out. The more offers they get, the more power they have in terms of going through that decision-making process. Um, 
And, and you know, the other thing that's understood on that, that side is the commitment's not binding on either side until they sign. You know, for baseball, because it's a partial scholarship sport, there's that kind of handshake agreement between about 95% of coaches in college baseball that once he's committed, he's committed. And we're going to back off. Now, you still have some coaches releasing players from those commitments as it comes and puts the players in bad spots. But for the most part, people try to do it the right way because of the partial scholarship stuff. I do think, I, I don't think it's going to happen here soon, but I think with the things that are going on in basketball, it's going to leak into the draft stuff. And, and this is just me spitballing. But I think what's going to happen is you're going to see basketball, the Basketball Coach Association, which is very powerful, looking at things and going, well, baseball guys can be drafted out of high school, and then when they show up, they have to stay for three years, or they can go to a junior college and get drafted. We want, we want that. And when the NCAA starts looking at things, they're to, they want to simplify their, their books. And I think they're going to go to a scholarship um, uh, agreement where it's not partial. I don't know that we'll be full, but I, even if it's just – um, tuition and fees, room and board, you know, it, but everybody, you know, you're, you get 24 scholarships and if you offer a scholarship, it covers this. There's no splitting it. There's no, you know, halves. There's no, none of that exists. But if you're getting a scholarship, this is what you're getting. I think in the next five to 10 years, you're going to see something like that happen. Well, then that would be awesome. Uh, it would be, it'd be incredible. Um, and I think coaches want that. I mean, from the general, I haven't talked to a lot of schools, but I talked to the ones that, you know, are closest to us. And, you know, when I was trying to get a couple of them, to, I actually asked a couple of them to come on and see if it was, they were allowed to through compliance. And right. if I would have recorded a few of those conversations about this new rule, <laughs> um, you know, it would have been really good podcast material because there was some anger in some of those. So. Well, and it's it's just they, they feel like they were blindsided yeah. because it's not it's not what the baseball coach association turned in. The problem the baseball coach association has, and I'm a member and I've been a member for a long time, but I'm a little bit on the outside now, so I can I can throw rocks at it, I guess, is they don't vote with a unified voice. You vote everybody votes regionally. And though that all of that gets out into the public. And so even when the ABCA says this is what we as a, a group want. We want this, and they're presenting it. There's, it's still known that that passed with 55% approval. So the NCA comes back and goes, well, eh, it wasn't let's unanimous. not do all of that. Whereas the Basketball Association, their coaches, they have the same knockdown, dragout fights in, inside the room. But when they leave the room, whatever they decided on as a group is what everybody pushes. And so that's why you see that group with so much power. And that's why you see that group, and, and it's going to—it's being tested right now, with the with the scandal stuff that's going on, and the recruiting stuff that's going on, and you know, their their ability to kind of con continue to create legislation is is being challenged. Um, I would love to see the baseball coaches vote that way, you know. But you look at you, and and the growth of the Big Ten, you know, and the the building of the stadiums in that conference, the ability for teams to make runs to Omaha. You know, let's look back 15 years ago when we had coaches in that conference going, it's just not fair, we can't get there. Yeah. And there were some things that were changed, and there were some things that they pushed through because I think as a whole, people understand how good the baseball is in the Midwest at, at, at low levels all the way in into college, the number of professionals coming out of those states. 
And it was important for those schools to have a fair shot. And now that they've got it, you know, they vote very similarly to ACC, SEC, Big 12. Not all the time, but they vote very similarly. But you still have fractions of schools in the Northeast that aren't at 11.7 scholarships. Mm-hmm. And so they really don't want scholarships to go higher because they're, they're thinking, how can we make a run like Coastal did? And, and that's everybody has a Fresno State, the Cinderella run from this small school. Well, what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, Coastal, Coastal's been spending like a big-time baseball program for, for a while now. They spent $25 million on a stadium. They've been recruiting. They heavily recruit Wisconsin, Michigan, Indiana, Illinois. I mean heavily. And all of those things came together in a, in a perfect storm the year they win their national championship. But it wasn't a fluke. It, that wasn't some Cinderella team that j- just made a run. You know, that was a that was a Butler-esque baseball team. It was a team that had been knocking on the door of the Final Four for a while, you know, had had, you know, NBA-type prospects for a while, and then, boom, got in the right bracket and made that run and got hot at the right time. You know, that's what that's what Coastal was, but there's still a lot of schools that are looking at them going, I know we only have four scholarships. As long as we keep everybody else from just running away from us, and they're at 11.7, if we can creep up a little bit, we're going to make a run. Well, you know? so you brought up the event, you brought up the uh, Coastal Carolina, and I, luckily I'm at Grand Park, so I see Coastal a lot when they're out here. Yes. But one of the times I see them is actually my favorite event of the year, uh, the Future Games. Um, yes. How does this impact our future games? You used to come to it as a coach, I assume, and now you're, you're obviously doing it from the PBR standpoint, but... Do we get an older kid that now attends the the future games? Because our trend has been with college coaches very similar. We've been going younger, younger, and younger. Like Indiana's had an eighth grader every year for the last three years, right? Do we start spinning back to getting more and more sophomores? Is this the last marquee event before uh, you know that that big date of September one? I, I think so. I think you'll still have coaches pushing to keep kids away from that event if the kid is close to committing to them on September 1st. We don't, you know, and which is what we deal with when we're putting these teams together anyway. Because the whole the entire event is uncommitted players, which is one of the great driving forces to get coaches there. But the coaches also don't want their everybody thinks they have a super secret hideout guy, which <laughs> nobody nobody's hiding out anymore, but don't show up to that event. You've already gonna you're gonna commit. Just commit to us and blah blah blah. But I think we're gonna see it be older. I think we're gonna see more kids hanging out and waiting. I I hope though. Um, you know, a lot of these rules when you start going online and reading, baseball was in the mind. But you know, softball softball committing a 12 year old, softball committing a 13 year old. That's that's what started and jump started some of this stuff. You know, and their their coaches association. But it was one of those deals. The NCAA doesn't want to make rules for one sport. Right. So I hope all of that creates a, an atmosphere where, you know, we show up to Grand Parks this, this August and, you know, we have out of the 2020 class, you know, 45 of the top 50 players in the country. And, and obviously it may not happen this year because those guys already commit. Some of those guys already right. committed, but maybe the next year, that 2021 class in, in 2019, you know, 45 of the top 50 show up uncommitted and freaking get to duel it out and we get to sit and watch them all in one spot. And then the other part of this rule that Phil and I have actually talked about more um, than I think most has been the two fall games. We're we're really interested, especially in the Midwest. Like 
you know, we don't get great weather in February 15th when they right. start the season. How, how do you see those fall games kind of playing out? Uh, it, it, that, that was, that was a huge deal. And, and we actually, my last several years at Charlotte, we, we had struggled in, in, in North Carolina and we have, you know, good weather. I mean, in January we were, we were in the seven, mid seventies for most of January as the guys were getting their arms going down in February, it dropped, but we struggled to get to 56 games. Cause if you have a rain out now, it's hard to make it up. You just don't have time. So, you know, we, we started playing a, a fall game and the things it did for us, what, what most high school guys don't realize is how tedious the fall can be when you show up for, you know, 30 practices in 45 days and you're inner squatting in 24 of those 30 practices and you're playing the same people over and over and over and for coaches, the ability to create juice or to create some energy in those practices, we're trying to figure out ways, you know, the, the blue teal world series and the winner gets a steak and the loser gets a hot dog or the hot fudge sun world or Sunday world championship, you know, all these different things. It's just to create an atmosphere of winning matters. When you put on your real uniform and you have people in the stadium and you're playing somebody, uh, it's in a different uniform across the, across the way, the juice is there. And it, it, it's a great way to evaluate your younger players. And so I, I think it's a great deal. I think the other thing that's already started to happen, talking to college coaches this week, is you've got schools that are planning these games on Friday nights prior to a Saturday football game. Yep. And so in our area, and I'm sure in, in Big Ten, you know, you've got people that are tailgating Friday night or, or pulling in their RVs Friday and shooting some SEC schools they pull in on Tuesday. But – you know, Friday, they're looking for things to do in the area because they're going to the game at noon on Saturday. And so you've got a chance these fall games to draw three, 4,000 people if you set the date right. I was going to say, like, we're looking at, like, that IU-Purdue rivalry, you know. Do those yep. two teams ever play on the Saturday before the IU-Purdue game just knowing, hey, here's our official visit day. Here's much like the March Mad- or right. the Midnight Madness in basketball. I. You know, you could create an unbelievable atmosphere for a huge rivalry game that doesn't count against your record. Or it, it would be interesting to see if they did it in conference. Okay. Most, most of the people I've talked to are doing out of conference games, and okay. most everybody, even even the bigger schools, are trying to do one on the road, one at home. Okay, and they're trying to simulate a, a midweek road trip: two hours in the bus, get out of the bus, take BP, and play. Um, just because again, that's, it's different than what a lot of younger players have done. Although a lot of, some of them may have gone and, you know, get up at, you know, four in the morning and drive into grand parks for your one o'clock game, you know, teed up and play. But, you know, it's a little bit different, you know, as you're a freshman in college. And then I think we've, uh, I appreciate it. I I get really intrigued by the rule, not excited. That's a bad word, but intrigued just to figure out, does it slow it down? Does it speed it up? But. I want to get back to, you know, the recruiting essentials piece and and really get your take on you write these. Help our parents out. There what if you had to pick 3 articles or 4 things for them to focus on, what would those articles be or or what recommendations could you give our parents? Yeah, so we we started this I think it was, you know, end of March, early April of 2017 and so all of the if you go to the recruiting essentials tab under the more button all of them are listed chronologically with the newest one at the top. So just scroll down. One of the first, the, the really the second one I did, the first one was just, hey, here I am. We're going to reboot this. We'll see you next week. Um, but the very next one we did was the, the science of scholarship management. 
and it gives players and parents an in-depth look into how coaches are managing rosters. And one of the things that we did with our young assistants, our volunteer assistants, our student assistants, anybody that came into our office that was working, was going to be around recruits, was going to sit in on those meetings, they had to go through a process where they filled out a roster. You know, and you're going to get um, 27 scholarships. The minimum they can be on is 25%. I'm sorry, you're getting 11.7 scholarships and 27 roster spots with, with scholarship money getting allowed to uh, be uh, applicated to them. And build your roster. Show us your roster. How many pitches are you carrying? How many pitches are going to be on money? What's your shortstop on? What's your backup shortstop on? And, and you build this. And then what was fun was our, our staff, especially the ones that had been there, our head coach had been there for a while, myself, and then if we had this uh, second assistant had been there for a while, we sat in a room for two hours and would just tear this person apart. What are you doing? You're not getting you're not getting to a regional with this roster. What are you thinking? There's no right answer. But the ability for a family to sit down and say, okay, let's build a roster, you know, and, and then be honest with yourself. If you're if you're a right-handed hitting corner outfielder, and you, you're not showing the ability to hit for big-time, big-time juice, which puts you as a pro prospect, uh, is there money available? Maybe, maybe not. You know, it, It's just how do people manage their rosters? And one of the things we did in that article is we built two different rosters, one where a school is going to spend the majority of their money on their best players, and they're only going to have 21, 22, 23 guys on scholarship. The other one, we're going to spread the money out evenly. And you can look, you know, Team A versus Team B, we're going to match up on Friday. My guy's got 80%. Your guy's got 45 Doesn't mean he's better, but across the board, I, you know, if I stay healthy, that team's got more pro prospects, ideally, you know, if you're spending your money the right way. As we got into it, um, the, you know, the next couple articles we did were, were just how to communicate with college coaches, you know, how to email, how to phone call. One of the things I, I really would like prospects to take time to do is learn to be, be good on the phone. You know, like like with you and Phil doing this podcast, it's it's better and better every week. And you guys are pretty good out of the shoot because you have great personalities. But every week you do this, you find that niche, you find that rhythm. The more time these guys spend on the phone, the better they'll be on phone calls. So you know, let's think about and if parents are listening to this, let's think about your your player. Are they texting you or are they calling you? Are they texting their girlfriend or are they calling their girlfriend? Are they Snapchatting them? Uh, coaches aren't going to Snapchat players. Snapchat's a bad word around here right now. <laughs> but you're, you, you've got, so they don't spend time on the phone. And so those first phone calls, you know, September 1, I, they are just, some of them, you just, you're, you're grinding through as a coach because they're just so bad. They get better. But if I'm a margin, if it's a marginal player and he doesn't light me up on the phone, it's easy to skip his phone call the next week, find somebody else to call. When we first started, so we, we we got a lot of questions about social awkwardness due to those phone calls when all yep. this social media, when it was kind of in that transition from colleges, like, is this kid socially awkward? Like he can't yep. talk. Right. Yeah. Well, one of the things we talked about, and it was, I think the name of the article is make phone calls count on April 5th was uh, April 5th of 2017. Um, you know, pick up the phone, call your grandmother, call your aunt. Don't tell them you're calling. Don't send them a message. Hey, can I talk to you? Just pick up the phone and call them because now they're going to wonder why are you calling them? And it's going to be awkward on their end because they think something's wrong. And then keep them on the phone for five minutes. Do that a couple times and you'll, you'll be better. You know, 
Um, it's good. Advice. As we got going, we, we covered official visits. We covered in, uh, unofficial visits. We covered some transfer rules. Um, we actually covered showcasing tools. So there, there's a lot of information. I think it's one of those things as a, as a parent, as a player, if you've got questions, if you're wondering why the process is moving slow, moving fast, or can I do this better? Can I do that better? Hopefully we've covered it. And if we haven't, you can always email me. Well, Brandon, that's awesome. That's a lot of really, really good information. Um, parents, you can follow the recruiting process and recruiting essentials. It's on the more tab on prepbaseballreport.com. Brandon, do you have a personal Twitter that you put a bunch of stuff out on or? Uh, not the personal one is B hall underscore NC, but I don't use that one heavily. Um, okay. you know, prep baseball, uh, NC as in North Carolina, yep. we'll do some, but, um, really the prep main prep baseball report, Twitter, um, which I think is just at prep baseball. Yep. Yep. Follow us I, there. Follow Brandon there. He's going to be here in August and that'll be the next time yep. we get to see you. Um, I got a feeling a lot's going to change and we're going to have different opinions in August. So we may have to, <laughs> we may have to bring yes. you into studio yeah. and, and get down into it a little more. Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Best of luck. Hopefully the weather uh, is good down there for you and you're seeing a lot of good baseball, sir. Thanks guys. Same to you guys. Have a good one. Well, that was awesome stuff. <laughs> I feel like we could have asked a lot more questions, got a lot more in depth. It would have lasted another probably two, three, four hours. I was Way too long for our podcast. <laughs> We're trying to cut it down anyway. Our um, goal was 20 minutes. His interview, he went for 30, which was awesome because there's a lot of really good stuff in there. But. I was going to say, we cut him off short, honestly. Yes. Little, only less than 30 or so minutes. So as we mentioned, you can find all that stuff online at prepbaseballreport.com under the More tab. Find the recruiting essentials section. Uh, continue to follow us on Twitter at PBR Indiana. Also on Instagram at PBR Indiana. And uh, we will see you guys next time. <laughs> <laughs>